Welcome to Beyond the Show, the podcast home of all things Cannabis Conference. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of the Cannabis Group at GIE Media. Here we are, everybody, on the doorstep of Cannabis Conference 2022. This episode is dropping a mere 48 hours before yours truly and the Cannabis Conference team hit the road for Las Vegas, where we will host you and yours for three days of dynamite industry education and networking. Trust me when I tell you this, you will return home from this show a more eager and dialed in cannabis operator. You'll come home with new friends in the biz, and you'll get back to your business with great stories that will inform decisions you'll make in the near future. We can't wait to see you out there. And hey, if you happen to see me walking around the floor or in and out of any of the session rooms at Cannabis Conference, feel free to give me a shout out. We can talk about the podcast, and we'll do the secret podcast handshake. You know the one. On the show this week, we've got Ashley Fields, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Can. Ashley has built Can's creative marketing and comms functions from scratch, growing it from a team of one to 20 in less than six months. Under her leadership, Can has launched globally recognized integrated marketing campaigns that drive brand awareness and adoption, propel Can's multi-year reign as the number one microdose THC beverage, and delivered seven Cannabis Clio Awards. Prior to joining Can, Ashley engineered global omnichannel marketing strategies at Dyson in the brand's newest categories, beauty and air purification, successfully driving a sweeping shift in brand perception and double-digit direct growth. At Cannabis Conference 2022, Ashley will be speaking on the panel, How to Use Today's Marketing Trends to Boost Your Bottom Line. Please enjoy my conversation with Ashley Fields. Hello, Ashley, and welcome to the show this week. Very glad to have a chance to talk with you prior to Cannabis Conference, which is really just days away. Very excited to dive into all sorts of things out there in Vegas, uh, but specifically, really looking forward to talking about marketing and, of course, CAN, which, uh, as someone who lives in the market without CAN right now, I'm super intrigued and, uh, and eager to uh, to sample some of that out in Las Vegas. Um, so maybe before we get into some of the more marketing-based questions, maybe we can begin by just having you provide maybe a, a bit of an overview of CAN and, and the products that are offered and, and the markets that you guys are in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and excited for you to get some liquid on lips when you're in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so absolutely. So CAN is, i um, very excited to share the number one selling THC beverage in the US. Um, we are a microdose social tonic, meaning our beverages have five milligrams or less of THC um, and are paired with a similar milligram count of CBD. Uh, the intention behind this is really to create a controlled and sessionable buzz. Um, our founders, uh, Jake and Luke, started CAN because they saw a real need for a product that could give a similar buzz um, as a glass of wine or uh, beer, but not necessarily come with all of the negative side effects like hangovers or, I mean, at least for me, regrets, not remembering. Mm -hmm. um, and so the answer to that was looking at cannabis and seeing that there, especially in the beverage category, that there really were only uh, products available for a very high dose consumer. So before CAN came on the market, you were looking at beverages that were anywhere between 25 to 100 milligrams um, per can, which... I don't know about what type of consumer you are, but that would definitely put me on the floor. Um, 
And so it was a really exciting uh, kind of an innovative idea to create something that not only tasted good, but had very low cannabis um, so that it really was kind of more uh, appetizing to a mainstream consumer who may or may not have had cannabis before. Yeah, well, you're certainly talking my language there with just uh, the, the dosing aspect, because I've looked around the market for for a number of years now, really, and I, I continually bump into those 100 milligram beverages, which are fine for, for many customers. Um, uh, but I'm probably, um, you know, I'm on the same page as you. It's, uh, it's mm -hmm. just a bit much. Um, so in terms of that, uh, you know, that minimal amount of THC, the fact that it's paired with CBD, even the term microdose, how are some of these things best positioned to the customer who, to your point, um, may may have been looking for something like this or may not have known that they've been looking for a product like this? Uh, how do you uh, position some of these very specific and important aspects of CAN to the market? Yeah, absolutely. So I think being a microdose beverage is really core to who CAN is and what we stand for. Um, and if you think about parallels in other categories, like let's take alcohol, for example, the majority of people are not going into a liquor store to buy Everclear, right? Our core consumer is someone that is looking to either change their relationship with alcohol, um, find a replacement or substitute for some types of times when they are socializing and don't want to drink alcohol, or are really new to the cannabis space. And so typically this is called the can of curious consumer, right? Um, and so I think that we are very much focused on educating about what a cannabis beverage is, what is a microdose cannabis beverage, and most importantly, how is it going to make you feel? And so much of what you're going to see coming um, from can from a marketing perspective is this emphasis on the controlled experience. Um, so we have precision dosing. These are intended to be sessionable so that you can have more than one. Um, and I think that it's super important that we think about um, how we move people away from thinking about cannabis as this like scary kind of that quintessential college brownie story, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're talking to a, a new cannabis consumer, it's really important that you can get across that you will be in control. This is sessionable and it will feel similar to, to what you're looking for when you go for that glass of wine or a beer. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of like what we focus on. Yeah. And, you know, of course, can being a part of the the broader cannabis beverage ecosystem, which itself is is a small but very quickly growing niche in in cannabis in general. So I'm curious if, if you could just talk for a bit about about the beverage segment in general and, um, you know, how it's been growing and what some of the challenges might be to this particular segment that might not affect uh, flower sales or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So beverage is the smallest segment um, of like smallest category, but it is the fastest growing. And I think that there's a few reasons that we can look at. So for can we really see cannabis beverages as, as being the future of social drinking as as humans, we are raised to know or raised to think that any type of social gathering or get together involves alcohol or some type of beverage, right? Like, you, when you meet someone new, the question is always like, do you want to go grab a drink? Now, whether that drink is alcohol or it's a cup of coffee, beverages make up the way that we socialize with others. 
And so I think that that's, that's likely why the beverage category is growing as fast as it is, is because people can see this as a better way to consume cannabis. I think it's the best way to consume cannabis. And you can do so in a way that's socially acceptable, right? So like if you're taking, we've got Labor Day coming up. So if we think about more traditional, let's say family barbecues, it's not really that normal to say, um, hey guys, let's all take an edible at the same time and see what happens right? Or to kind of light up a joint and pass it around. It's much more, I think, acceptable to be able to say, hey, I brought this six pack of can or whatever your beverage choice may be. Um, let's have a great time, right? Um, I think that the other really interesting thing about beverage and what we've talked about before is the difference in the type of consumer that's coming in to buy beverage. So if we look at flour, we look at vapes, I think it's very fair to assume that that consumer is familiar with cannabis, right? They're coming into the store. They might want to ask a bud tender a few questions about what the right, you know, is it hybrid? Is it indica, sativa? Um, a little bit, you know, on the flower side, I think people can get into it a little bit more from a storytelling perspective. But for the most part, these people know what they're doing and they don't see dispensaries as these big, scary places, when you think about a beverage consumer, especially a microdose beverage consumer, that person is going to require a little bit more handholding. And so for us, that means that we have to be really tight around our messaging from a visual merchandising perspective, making sure that bud tenders understand um, what can is the benefits of it and recommending us to those people that are coming in and are more and are newer to the category or to the sort of cannabis overall. Certainly. Yeah. And I think that um, that engagement with the consumer really is so exciting with beverages in particular for all the reasons you just mentioned. I'm curious if you could maybe elaborate a bit on that bud tender aspect of it and and what the maybe, um, you know, the strategies or communication strategies might be with dispensary buyers and even bud tenders, uh, folks who are in the industry and maybe interested in, you know, setting up a cooler in their in their dispensary. Um, what do those conversations look like these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that you know, such a big part of what we do at CAN is to destigmatize cannabis use and really pro project it on a more mainstream stage. And what's really interesting is that we're not only doing that outside of the walls of dispensaries, um, but within them, because traditionally, especially from bud tenders, is it's you want to recommend something that's the most bang for your buck, right? And when we look at microdose beverages, we are a more premium product and it shouldn't be based on, hey, what is the cost per milligram in this beverage? So a lot of what we do from a training perspective is getting people to understand what is the use case for drinking cannabis as opposed to smoking it or eating it. Um, and then what is the purpose of a microdose cannabis beverage and, and how can you identify the type of consumer that would want that? And then what are the questions that you would expect from them? So we have a really robust training program, um, really impressed with the team. And then, of course, just so grateful for bud tenders that are able to help be our evangelists in store and help people understand the benefits of a microdose cannabis beverage. Um I think that when we look also at data, we can see that the can consumer tends to have um, tends to buy can more regularly um, and has a higher basket size. So in terms of like the conversations we're having with those dispensary buyers, it's really important that we're talking about the consumer that's coming in and what their kind of lifetime value is going to look like. Um, I think did that answer all of your questions? It did. Yeah, I just think it's it's so interesting just because it is 
you know, a very fast growing segment and um, starting to see more and more of it in the dispensary environment. And it's one thing for consumers to to become educated about cannabis beverages, but it's another to see sort of that behind the scenes, uh, like B2B aspect of, of just getting getting you know beverages um, out and on store shelves. Yeah. And I mean, beverage in general, if you think about it, it's it's a tough category given kind of its mass, right? It's heavy. It takes up space. It requires refrigeration. It requires transport. So there's a lot of operational challenges that we face as well. Um, and so I think that in order to really bring people into the fold, our demo and field program is extremely important. And it's really being able to identify, you know, what is the right time and the right doors to be in during the busiest times to really get people to come in and try the product. Um, I mean, we really see anywhere from a 90 to 100 percent conversion rate when we are demoing because the product tastes delicious, which you're obviously going to to. Um, witness next week. Um, but Jake and Luke, their commitment in making this product was that they would only source the best ingredients. Um, and we have, we won BevNet's uh, 2019 showdown because of how good the beverages taste so much so that we also have an unspiked line. So it's like people can't get enough of how delicious this is. And then when you layer on the benefits to drinking it, um, it really is a no brainer. Yeah, I wanna, I'm going to jump to a, a broader marketing question in a moment here, but I, I did want to touch on that because the flavors all sound great. Uh, what is what is your favorite or what would you recommend? Oh, gosh, I love them all. So, <laughs> in, so we are available across the U.S. in California, Nevada, Arizona, Illinois, and Massachusetts. And our product range and the formats available do differ by uh, by market. Okay. And then they're also available in Canada, in Ontario and British Columbia. So if we're looking at the lens of Nevada, which carries our core flavors of blood orange cardamom, lemon lavender and grapefruit rosemary. And then we have a summer seasonal called pineapple jalapeno. Of those four available, I would say my favorite is blood orange cardamom, followed by lemon lavender and then pineapple jalapeno. Um, but you really can't go wrong. Fantastic. Um, well, I did, uh, of course, well, you know, you'll be talking about um, marketing strategies out at Cannabis Conference next week. And of course, cannabis just in general poses a lot of interesting challenges. So I wanted to just ask you, um, you know, A, what brought you to cannabis and, and what have been some of the surprises about this industry that might have differed from your time at Dyson, for, in for instance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think a the question to answer is not necessarily what brought me to cannabis, but what brought me to can, mm -hmm. um, because it, cannabis as a career wasn't necessarily on my radar until I discovered can. Um, and so I was at a few years ago, I was at what felt like the 900th bachelorette party of that year. Mm -hmm. And the bride had brought can and was passing it around and explaining to us what it was. And so for the you know entire weekend, we spent it drinking can. And when I was getting on my plane on Sunday, I had this epiphany where I was like, one, I don't have anxiety. I don't have Sunday scaries. I'm not hung over. What is happening? And it was really that point where I said, this product has the power to transform people's lives, right? Like we had the exact, we had so much fun, um, but we, we remembered all of it. We didn't do anything stupid and we certainly didn't feel awful the next day. Um, and so I really just followed Can after that, looking to see how they were growing. And after about six years uh, at Dyson, um, I reached out to Jake and Luke last year and said, you know, I love what you guys are doing. I think I should be your head of marketing. And um, they said, thank you, but we don't need that. 
And I said, no, I think you do. And so after several months of negotiation and persuasion, I was able to convince them that I really could help them build and scale the business. Um, I'm so proud of what we've been able to do at Can since I joined. I mean, it's been, we've grown so fast. And I think ultimately the the best thing is when people come up to you and, and tell you about how Can has changed their life. And it's not only about this gave me an option, you know, an al alcohol alternative that I was looking for. But I think when we look at the sort of what's coined California sober, right? So people that don't drink alcohol, but do uh, imbibe cannabis, um, I have personal relationships with people that are like, this is transformative to my social experience because I can now go to parties and hold something in my hand. And I know that's really funny when people think about it, but it is, it's so holding a beverage in your hand during a social engagement is just so, it feels so natural and there's something very calming about it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I, I couldn't love being here and, and working on this product more. Um, when I look at the parallels between what I'm doing here at Can and what I was doing at Dyson and, and some key learnings is I joined Dyson right before we launched our hairdryer. And it was a really exciting time. But the biggest part of my role was how can you transform people's perception of Dyson away from a vacuum company and into a tech company? Because no one is buying a $600 hairdryer from an $800 vacuum manufacturer. And so when I think about how did we do that and how did we transform people's perceptions of what Dyson is and what we stood for or stand for, um, I'm doing the exact same thing in cannabis. A lot of my work is focused on destigmatizing cannabis and demystifying it, right? Is there's so much around um, about cannabis that people don't understand. The fact that, you know, it is not federally legal is, is crazy. The fact that there really isn't substance, we call it substance equality, so that, you know, cannabis can't play in the same lanes or channels, even from an advertising perspective as alcohol, despite, you know, objectively being less harmful to people is pretty crazy. And so I think just focusing on how can we really create a movement that transforms people's perception of, of can and cannabis, um, that's a, that's a win for us. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, those are all such great timely reminders of, of what, what's going on in this industry and how we can sort of reframe the, the value of cannabis, especially to, to an audience that may not be super familiar with cannabis, like you said earlier. Um, you know, so looking ahead to the session next week, I'm sure there's going to be folks in the audience who back home at their business are arguing against the need for a marketing team or pushing back mm -hmm. on, on efforts. Uh, so I'm curious what you might tell them or what you might hope that they will take back to their business after your session. That's such a great question. Um, I mean, I think that storytelling is, is imperative to the success of, um, of a product or a brand, right? And so both from a sell-in perspective of this is who we are, this is how the product makes you, um, this is what the product's going to do. And then a sell-through of ultimately to the consumer, it's so important that you have someone thinking through that lens of, of storytelling and how you're adapting your message to reach the right consumer at the right time. Um, and so I really hope that, you know, one, people see the value in in marketing and kind of the, the long-term um, the long-term contribution it makes. I will say that at the end of the day, if you have an amazing product, um, it should be able to sell itself. And so marketing comes into play as you look to scale. But most importantly, when I think about it is I'm so proud to work for a company that makes a, a product that tastes delicious and that I can stand behind.
Fantastic. Well, certainly can't wait to hear more. And we'll be picking up this thread out at Las Vegas in, in just a few days, really. So I uh, want to thank you, Ashley, for joining the show this week. And um, it was great talking to you. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm excited to cheers next week with a can. And that's a wrap on another episode of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ashley Fields. I know I did. It's always fun to talk about cannabis beverages and that particular market segment, which I'm certainly excited to peruse next week out in Las Vegas. It's uh, quite a dynamic segment out in the Nevada market. Uh, But that's just one sample. Again, sort of the nature of the show here. We're always looking at the many conversations that we'll have at Cannabis Conference from different angles. And so cannabis beverages is one thing that we'll be getting into out in Las Vegas next week. Uh, But certainly plenty more topics. If you've been following along with this podcast this year, you've got a pretty good sense of the kind of topics we'll be getting into at Cannabis Conference beginning in just a few days. If you're listening to this episode when it drops on, uh, let's see here, August 19th, we are just a few days away from the show beginning August 23rd at the Paris Las Vegas. If you've been following along, of course, you know all about it. You know where to find the information. You know what's happening. You've got your ticket in hand and you're ready to roll. If you haven't, there's still time to get registered. If you're listening to this episode on August 19th, you can still register online at CannabisConference.com. If you're catching us over the weekend, just register on site. It'll be a lot easier that way, and we'll be very excited to have you out there. If you need any more information, again, it's all at CannabisConference.com and uh, at CannabisBusinessTimes.com, where you'll find our print magazine, uh, all of our news coverage, all sorts of stuff in the industry. It's all the same team, and we're very excited to bring it all together in person at Cannabis Conference. Of course, we'll be continuing this show at the show and beyond the show. That's why we named it that. So follow along here on website, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you're listening. Stay tuned because there's plenty more interviews coming uh, well beyond the show. Thank you.